Hello, my Rebels. Today, a really weird attack on Rebel News by a bunch of Justin Trudeau's bailout journalists. It was so out of the blue. I go through it a bit and I do my best to rebut it. And I also point out who's on the take. So take a look at that. I'd invite you to become a subscriber to Rebel News Plus. You get the video version of this podcast, which I think is pretty good. Just go to rebelnews.com and click on subscribe. It's eight bucks a month or 80 bucks for the whole year if you pay in advance. Less than Netflix. Okay, here's today's podcast. Tonight, a journalism lobby group took Trudeau's bailout money and now they're advocating for censorship. It's August 18 and this is the Ezra Levant Show. Why should others go to jail Why? when you're a biggest carbon consumer I know? There's 8,500 customers here, and you won't give them an answer. The only thing I have to say to the government about why I publish it is because it's my bloody right to do so. There was a dumb joke I once heard, and the punchline was something about a lobby group called Chickens for Colonel Sanders. It was a joke, you know. I, I, I get it. No chickens would be for Colonel Sanders, that's what, what was funny about it. Uh, Chick-fil-A has an ad campaign that's in the same vein. It's a bunch of cows telling you to eat more chicken, which makes the same point, but from the other direction. It, it's, it's not funny for cows to tell you to eat chicken, is it? That's what you would expect, other than cows don't talk. It was a good ad campaign. Anyways, here in Canada, we have the same thing, but instead of cows telling you to eat chickens or chickens telling you to support Colonel Sanders, we have journalists calling for censorship. That's the funniest joke of all. Uh, they've gone nuts, I think. Do you remember this a few years back? The group called Canadian Journalists for Free Expression. So they're telling you, they're not just Canadian journalists. They say they distinguish themselves from other journalists by emphasizing just how much they care about free expression. It's their whole name. It's the characteristic they're showcasing. And they decided that they wanted to ban Donald Trump from speaking in Canada. Ban him. Censor him. You'd think that a group of free speech journalists would support free speech and journalism. Uh, that you wouldn't want to shut down the world's most important political leader from speaking. And therefore journalists from reporting on what he would speak about. You, you'd think that. But they actually didn't want any speaking or journalism about the speaking. They were chickens who were for Colonel Sanders, they wanted to ban the president. Not even China does that, by the way. China doesn't much like Donald Trump, but they didn't ban him from speaking in Communist China. This group called Canadians for Free Expression, Canadian Journalists for Free Expression, is actually Canadian Journalists Against Free Expression. They're the chickens for Colonel Sanders. Um, when even the Toronto Star is scolding you, for being a thin-skinned Trump derangement syndrome hater censor, it's time to switch to decaf coffee. They're weird and discredited, the CJFE. I, I don't even know if they actually do anything anymore. I certainly haven't seen anything other than a few anti-Trump blog posts from them. But there's another group that is supposed to do things, and it's called the Canadian Association of Journalists. They don't emphasize freedom of speech or freedom of the press in their name. You would think you would, that would be redundant. After all, journalism itself is a form of free expression. And yet today, 
They released a strange unsolicited statement saying that we at Rebel News should be banned from the Alberta Press Gallery and that we would absolutely be banned from joining them, the CAJ, the Canadian Association for Journalists, if we were ever, if we ever applied to, which um, we, we haven't. So it's, it's sort of weird. Um, it's, it's a bit weird because we haven't applied to them. Now, I've known about the CAJ for years. I'm pretty sure we've never applied to join them. Why would I? They're, they become a, a, a lobby group for journalists who suck up um, to Trudeau to get bailout money from him. Uh, maybe I phrased that in a mean way, but, but they actually, that's the, they're a lobby group to get more money from Trudeau. There really is no point for us to join them because we're not lobbying for money from Trudeau. That's, that's not our business model. Um, I looked at the board of directors there. Name after name is, is obscure. Uh, most of them are unknown. They're, they're not Canada's leading journalists. They're Canada's leading bailout journalists. It's very different. So these are multi-million dollar recipients of Trudeau's money. It's like that Quebec company called Bombardier. They're not that successful in the airplane industry, but boy, are they successful at getting government grants. That was their real industry. Same thing with these guys here. But look at them today, apropos of nothing. They put out a press release saying that we here at Rebel News should not be allowed into the Alberta Press Gallery. A group of Toronto-based journalists says so. They don't have anyone at the Edmonton-based press gallery, so the, this is the Toronto point of view. They do have one token Calgarian who works for McLean's Magazine, which is one of the biggest Trudeau bailout media companies in the country. Um, and uh, they wrote this today. Let me read a little bit of it to you. Alberta Press Gallery has a duty and a right to determine access. Get my dumb joke about chickens for Colonel Sanders now? <laughs> now, I know something about rights and freedoms. I went to law school once, a long time ago, and I've read the charter. I actually read it from time to time, just to refresh my memory. Section 2, Fundamental Freedoms, uh, Section 2B in particular uh, guarantees freedom of thought, belief, opinion, and expression, including freedom of the press and other media of communication. So that's a right. I have a right to speak freely, to do journalism, and express my opinions and beliefs in any medium. It's right there. Um, you'll notice if you read the Charter or the Constitution or any other law, there is no right for my competitors to ban me. That's not a right, guys. That might be some sort of power you want, um, but in real life, my competitors don't have the legal or moral authority to infringe my real rights. It's a counterfeit duty or right to stop me from earning a living or practicing my career. That's not a real right. These people are politically illiterate if they think that there's such a thing as a right to ban people from reporting. Who are you? And to think they're in charge of educating the public about the world and how it works. Anyhow, let me read a little bit from this fantastic essay of theirs. <clears throat> this past Sunday, the National Board of the Canadian Association of Journalists, CAJ, gathered for a regular meeting. That must have been riveting. One of our main agenda items, <laughs> I'm laughing, can you imagine, this is their main agenda item, was to discuss the recent news of the Alberta Legislative Press Gallery's refusal to issue memberships to employees of Rebel News. <laughs> what a lot. So all these secret meetings, none of which invite us to make our case. All these little snobs, these mean girls, meeting in secret to ban us. What a weird witch trial, because at least if I read my history right, Witchers were invited to their own witch trial. We're never invited to our witch trials. I'll keep going. 
Late last week, Post Media announced its extraordinary decision to pull its newspapers from the press gallery. While the CAJ respects their prerogative to operate their newsrooms as they see fit, we are concerned this decision could place its journalists in a difficult position to adequately serve the public. What? 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 Um, is it serving the public to ban rebel reporters from working? Imagine how full of yourself you have to be to say that. I think that's what they mean. Um, no, no, guys, this isn't a petty dispute or a political disagreement or competitive or business rivalry. No, 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 no. If you think we just don't like the rebels, you're totally wrong. Um, we're banning the people we hate because that's serving the public in interest, you see. <laughs> yeah, um, we cows who are telling you to eat chicken instead, it's not for selfish reasons, you see. It's for your own good, you see. I'll read some more. Press galleries are independent, self-regulatory bodies that have long been part of Canadian legislatures. They are recognized by the Speaker to oversee the press accreditation process and other rules for legislative journalists. Press galleries have a right and a responsibility to admit as members only those who meet their standards and definitions for journalism, so long as the process is fair and transparent. Uh, like their secret meeting, right? Um, no, guys, uh, there is no journalistic profession. That's not a thing. I mean, doctors, I get it. Lawyers, pharmacists, accountants, engineers, those are real professions. A journalist is someone who writes stories about what they saw that day. Um, that's it. It's an activity. It's not a profession. There's no self-regulated profession. I know they'd like to call each other doctor or whatever, but it's just a club of mean girls uh, and the uncool kids to boots. And of course, we're not part of a fair and transparent process. Um, in Alberta, they just sent us a note telling us we were banned. Uh, we weren't invited to our own trial. We weren't even told of the reasons for being banned. And yet the journalists against journalism, or whatever this group is called, is saying, that's the right thing. It's in the public. It's their duty. This is my favorite part. The CAJ is not a regulatory agency and does not enforce a specific prescriptive definition of journalism. Like most in the industry, we embrace a broad definition of journalism. Sure you do. Much like a press gallery, the CAJ restricts our Class A membership to professional journalists, and we draw upon transparent guidelines to make those decisions. The employees of Rebel News would not meet our criteria. H how do you know? Uh, how do you, you've never had a hearing about it. You, you just prejudged us. You don't know who all our employees are. You don't know their credentials. We've never showed them to you. How do you know? You're not actually real journalists are you because you show no curiosity you ask no real questions guys i think you're just a club of justin trudeau's concubines i know you think you're really cool but you're his bought and paid for harem it was surprisingly cheap i mean 600 million dollars is a lot of money uh, to buy a bunch of newspapers. Actually, it's just renting you out, I guess. But still, that probably only works out to max a few thousand bucks per journalist. I mean, I see the Halifax Chronicle Herald on the CAJ Board of Directors. They took millions from taxpayers through Trudeau. But they laid off, what, over a hundred workers uh, recently, that little chain of Atlantic newspapers. The money was just sopped up by the newspaper's owners and managers. Imagine being for rent that cheap. You're some journalist for the Chronicle Herald. So yeah, how do I put this? Um, we're not interested in renting out our principles to Trudeau like you are. Th these guys are really mad about uh, uh, our crowdfunding. Let me read a bit. 
In reviewing the evolution of the Rebel News, it is clear the organization sometimes becomes an actor in stories it tells. To date, this has taken several different forms, but includes providing financial and legal assistance to some of its sources. Sources? No, we, we don't pay sources. We don't pay for stories. We help people who need help, but, but we don't pay for the news. Um, I know the Toronto Star did a lot of that. They, they had a bounty out for the late Rob Ford, the former mayor of Toronto. They paid 5000 bucks a pop to any one of Rob Ford's friends or acquaintances to secretly record him in private homes and then sell them the footage. So that's journalism, <laughs> according to the CAJ, but not us helping to pay, you know, tickets of working class people who got fined for going out in the park during the pandemic or something. We don't pay for news. That's what you weirdos do. The CAJ says, the critical distinction between these practices and those employed by Rebel News are that its staff often actively participate in the story, working toward their desired end by applying legal, financial, or other resources. And you know the prostitutes who take Trudeau's money? They would never, ever, ever be guided by their own activism or their own financial concerns. <laughs> no siree. They take that Trudeau bailout money and they don't even think about it. You can tell how independent they are and how unaffected they are and they don't want to have any conclusion. Look at how they grill Trudeau so mercilessly. If you could do any other job and you have to answer, what would it be? I'd be a school teacher. I knew you were going to say that. No, no, that's, no, no like it's, aspirational. It's what I am. Aspirational. Uh, Something you haven't done. No, it'd be that. It'd be, it'd be, it'd be maybe, maybe running a school. Something at the UN. Something at the. Oh no! If I'm once, yeah. once I'm done politics, I'm done politics. Uh, last book you've read or the book you're reading? Um, it'd be just finished uh, the um, the patch, which was uh, Chris Turner's uh, history yes. of yeah. uh, of the oil patch. Um, but I'm also about to start uh, the new uh, Ken Follett, with uh, the third third book that is uh, the sequel to um, Pillars of the Earth. That's your, your nerdy side. That, no, that's that's my uh, your sci-fi nerdy side. No, no, it's not it's not sci-fi. It's it's just a, a sweeping historical epic, I'm sure, but yeah. I haven't started it yet. So uh. yeah, one day we'll be real journalists like Rosemary Barton, paid by Trudeau. Uh, speaking of lawyers, uh, she sued the Conservative Party for Trudeau during the election. The lawsuit's still going on. Uh, and, and what was that, a platonic date with Trudeau? You know, that's journalism. Anyways, uh, here's, here's a quick line in their essay. The CAJ also supported Rebel News' access to the federal leadership debates in 2019. You mean the ones we had to rush to court in an emergency basis? Really? I must have missed that. In fact, CAJ journalists cheered us being banned, objected to us going. The CAJ didn't put out even a statement that I saw. They didn't intervene in court, that's for sure. I asked our lawyer about this because maybe I missed something. It was the first he heard of it too. It's almost as if these guys are lying to pretend they care about free speech and they're not just in the pocket of their boss, Justin Trudeau. I'm shocked. One more line from the CAJ today. We carefully consider our political activities and community involvements, including those online, and refrain from taking part in demonstrations, signing petitions, doing public relations work, fundraising, or making financial contributions if there is a chance we will be covering the campaign activity or group involved. Is that 
really true? You guys aren't telling porkies again, are you? Like I say, the CAJ is really just a group of concubines that Trudeau pays $600 million a year to, so they take his cash, but in that traditional Liberal Party move, ad scam, we charities, they know the rules. They have to kick back some of that cash to Trudeau. See, a lot of Canadian journalists are members of the Unifor Union. It's weird that journalists are in the union like it's some hard blue-collar activity or something. But uh, they are. They're in the Unifor Union. And they have registered an anti-conservative party, third-party election campaign last year. And they, they take the members' dues from all these journalists and they spend it on fighting the conservatives in the election campaign with demonstrations and signs and petitions and public relations work and fundraising, all the things they just lied about. So Unifor does that, and there's another union called the Media Guild that does the same. So not only do these CAJ concubines take money from Trudeau, they then kick back some of it to Trudeau at election time through their third-party super PACs, and they all choose to do this. These unions aren't acting illegally. They have the consent and support of their members, these journalists. But sure, 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 because we provided a free lawyer to a single mom in North Bay who was arrested for taking her daughter to the park. Sure, that makes us not journalists while you ladies of the night pay for attack ads on Andrew Shear. Got it. Hey, have you ever seen any of these Justin journos when they're doing a report about Trudeau? Have you ever seen any of them disclose this super gross conflict of interest, either about taking Trudeau's cash or giving him a Partisan kickback? No? Yeah, me neither. We never stop talking about our interests. No one could possibly be unaware of our political views and our campaigns. We talk about them constantly. You can judge for yourself if you think we're being too political, but you can't really judge for yourself about these CAJ journalists, these Unifor journalists, these Justin journals, because they never disclose it, do they? Last paragraph. At the same time, however, the act of producing journalism is predicated on upholding high ethical standards, that, oh, the highest, which demands that information gathered during the reporting process be presented fairly, accurately, and transparently for public consideration. Yeah. No one is more transparent than the Canadian Association of Journalists. Um, they don't take payments from lobby groups or foreigners. They're fair and transparent. Absolutely and totally. How dare you say otherwise? I mean, just look at one of their board members who signed this letter, presumably. The National Observer. Just top-notch journalist and certainly not in the tank for any lobby group. Oh, hang on. Looks like they do take tens of thousands of dollars for, in cash from a lobby group called the Tides Foundation. They're now called Makeway. Uh, they were renamed. They were so scandal-ridden. It's an extremist, anti-oil, anti-industry lobby group founded in San Francisco. They've renamed their Canadian entity, Make Way. But they boast, you see it, about paying the National Observer for journalism. The National Observer admits they take the cash to run the stories that the Tides Foundation wants. Look at the bottom of this news article here. This article is part of a series produced by, in partnership by National Observer, Tides Canada. Oh, oh, really? And then Tides sometimes launders additional grants to the National Observer through third parties. Here's an investigation by Vivian Krauss in the Financial Post. In 2015, Tides paid US 21,000 bucks to Earthways for re-granting to Observer Media 
20,000 bucks for media reporting, and 1,000 bucks in honor of Linda Solomon. Solomon is the founder and editor-in-chief of the National Observer and the CEO of the Observer Group. She's also the sister of Joel Solomon, a former employee and chairman of the Tides Foundation. <laughs> oh my God! So CAJ board members who condemn us literally sell stories for cash. It's pay to play. They sell stories to foreign anti-oil lobby groups and they actually brag about it, I guess. But they're much more ethical than us, you see. Just ask them. <laughs> hey, here's the list of approved journalists approved by the CHA and the Parliamentary Press Gallery. Have you ever seen this? This is a list of uh, press gallery members in, in Ottawa uh, that are approved. Do you see Xinhua and People's Daily? Now, you know those aren't journalists, right? They're government propagandists, for sure, and they're spies. They're paid for by Xi Jinping, the dictator of China. They're not free to write anything they want. They write what they're instructed to write by the Chinese embassy in Ottawa. They're not journalists. You know that, right? How do they pass muster with the CAJ, but independent Canadian journalists like us don't? Well, follow the money. The money shows that the Tides Foundation bankrolls the National Observer. You can't believe a word they say. It's controlled by the Tides Foundation. Follow the money. It shows that Justin Trudeau bankrolls his little house of concubines who wrote a press release about us today. So if these journalists are all taking money from a government or another entity, Justin Trudeau or the Ties Foundation, and they're all refusing to publicize it. I mean, I grant you, the Ties Foundation is disclosed here and there, and if you really dig, you can see the secret funding, but they certainly don't disclose it when they're telling a story on TV, don't they? They don't end the story by saying, I should disclose to you that I take money from Trudeau and I pay money to Trudeau. They don't do that. So if they don't exactly highlight their conflict of interest, if they keep quiet about the money they're taking, if they're keeping quiet about the money they're taking from Trudeau, and if they're keeping quiet about the money they're taking from Tides, is there a chance they're keeping quiet about money they take from other governments too? You know how you say thank you in Chinese? It's xie xie. But I'm sure they already know that at the CAJ already. Stay with us for more. I met with the Prime Minister today to inform him that I did not intend to run again in the next federal election. It's never been my plan to run for more than two federal election cycles. As we move to the next phase of our fight against the pandemic, and pave the road towards economic recovery, we must recognize that this process will take many years. It's the right time for a new finance minister to deliver on that plan for the long and challenging road ahead. That's why I'll be stepping down as finance minister and as member of parliament for Toronto Centre. Whoa! So the election, as you know, was less than a year ago. Anyone who thinks that he was always planning on stepping down, well, geez, I got a bridge or two in New York to sell you. 
he was thrown under the bus. Of course, the state-supported media in Canada, the CBC and the bailout newspapers, were a little bit more credulous and said, yeah, guys, he's not being underbussed. He genuinely is just moving on. He's got other things to do, don't you know? He never meant to stick around. What a laugh. Uh, but it's not funny. Canada is in the worst economic crisis we've had since the Great Depression. Imagine a company in that position suddenly losing its CFO. Who's going to take over? Justin Trudeau, who believes that you can balance a budget from the heart out or whatever he said. He said that and budgets balance themselves, neither quite worked out. Uh, Christia Freeland, who has no background in business other than um, when she briefly was in charge of a Thomson Reuters project in New York City that she completely destroyed, she's our new finance minister and the new deputy minister. She's really taken over all the prime minister's work while he hangs out in Rideau Cottage. Here's an image of her being sworn in as the new finance minister also. Well, in actual fact, it, it might not be worse than Bill Morneau to have Christia Freeland as uh, the finance minister. I don't know how it could be worse. But one of the terrible things here is that Justin Trudeau has decided to prorogue Parliament, which is what he had always wanted to do, suspend Parliament and all its committee proceedings. So the various investigations into the corruption involving the WE charity, well, those are brushed away too. So you've got a finance minister quitting in the middle of a crisis, an already overworked and underskilled deputy prime minister taking over the job while Trudeau continues his slow motion eternal vacation. And now you have parliament itself dissolved. And the media is fine with this because what's the alternative? The conservatives joining us now to talk about this is our old friend Manny Montenegrino. He's the chair of Think Sharp and he always does. Manny, great to see you again. Great to see you, Ezra. Always fun to be with you. You know, I'm, I'm a little bit mad, uh, but what are you going to do? I mean, Justin Trudeau yeah. protects himself at all costs. He scapegoats. He fired Jody Wilson-Raybould. He fired Gerald Butts. He fired Bill Morneau. No one is too important to be fired to get him out of an ethical tight spot. Yeah, exactly. And he's the master of all these problems. Um, Ezra, let, let's compare and contrast finance ministers that Canada had during crisis. The last crisis, the Great Depression, um, sorry, Great Recession, was in 2008, and it was handled by Jim Flaherty. Uh, and that recession required about $100 billion in stimulus spending, which was an absorbent amount, especially when all the three parties were against any type of deficit spending. I mean, it pales in comparison today. I think we're going to get to $500 billion uh, in, in uh, deficits, at least over the next two years. But, but let's compare the finance minister. Jim Flaherty got the problem in 2008. 2011, now I knew Jim Flaherty personally, and I had uh, the pleasure of spending some very personal time with him in 2011. This is now three years after the beginning of the a great uh, recession, the financial crisis. And it was well in hand by then, but it wasn't completed. And I spoke to Jim and, and I tell you, you know, when I lose faith with this liberal government, I do remember that there are some great public servants, mm -hmm. some great public servants that make this country great. Uh, and I, I, I don't lose when I'm as depressed as I am today. I don't lose sight of that. But I asked Jim and I said, you know, 
you are the most sought-after finance minister. You got awards. You are the best in the industry. He received an award in 2009, uh, a European award uh, as best finance minister. And I asked him, I said, why are you still doing this? I was an entrepreneur. I was in a major law firm at the time. And I wondered, why aren't you going to a major law firm? Uh, and he would be, you know, he would could make in the millions. Or why not even go down south with Citibank or some other big institution that could pay him $10 million. I mean, he was worth a fortune at the time. Mm -hmm. And I didn't understand it. And Jim looked me square in the eyes and said, Manny, I still have a job to do. We're not out of this yet. My goal to Canadians, my promise to Canadians is to get to a balanced budget. And we're on our way there. And I walked away from there saying, wow, here's a guy that's leaving millions at the table just to just to perform his public duties. Then I watched, and of course he did. He did balance budget 2014. He did resign 2014, and he and he passed away uh, shortly afterwards, which which just breaks my heart. But it tells you, it tells you the greatness of the man and the greatness of the public servant that Canada had. Then I watched what Marneau did yesterday, and in contrast to what I personally knew of Jim Flaherty. Marneau was all about him. I can't believe that Canadians, any Canadian, would accept a person saying, yeah, I took this job, but you know what? I'm quitting because I'm done and I'm bored and I'm going to go try to get this other job uh, and then it'll leave you Canadians in a crisis. That is the utter, complete opposite of Jim Flaherty. How Canadians are not just outraged by the selfishness by the by the by the lack of public duty he understood the challenges we are within only a few months of this pandemic at the beginning of trying to get out um and and, and he's already bailing so in contrast but you know i'm not shocked this is a you know an unproven unethical minister who already has a, 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 a guilty finding under the conflict of interest act he had another investigation but was 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 uh, not found guilty and he obstructed justice uh instructed used cabinet privilege and instructed his staff not to speak to mario Dumont, uh, which was the uh, ethics commissioner in the investigation of the sec lavalin which he was involved in it so so you know it just uh, it, of course this is going to happen this is what i would expect of uh, minister marno and this is what i expect of every person in this government because it comes from the head what's best for me yeah. The message best for me is I'm tired of this. Yeah. Uh, I want to move on and I want to try another job. And, you know, screw you, Canadians, screw you and uh, deal with your, your crisis in the first two, three months of, of a crisis seemingly five times larger than what uh, what um, Jim Flaherty had to deal with. Yeah, I mean, it's obviously untrue what he said. It's obviously yeah. untrue that he was done and tired. And it makes no sense that he would have run for a seat planning to abandon it mere months later. Um, so it, it's obviously a lie that he and Trudeau or their spin doctors crafted together. Um, and I think it was designed, if I had to try and reverse engineer it, right. Manny, designed to, so that Bill Morneau could say, oh no, I wasn't fired. I wasn't right. scapegoated. I'm still super great. This was my decision. I'm going to something even cooler 
And Canada's so small time for me. I'm going even bigger, the OECD. So yeah, no, no, I'm not embarrassed. I think this was designed to yeah. let him save face in a way, even though it's a palpable lie. But you make the most important point, which is, imagine choosing to tell that lie. Yes. And because you think it's, it looks better on you to abandon a country in its biggest crisis in almost 100 years, because that's all that's important is, what do I look like? I mean, he's a billionaire by marriage. He married into the McCain potato dynasty. Um, he already is famous, I guess. So what, it was so important that he saved face. He'd but rather lie to Canadians and get Trudeau out of a tight spot. You know, an honest guy would have probably um, said, I quit because I won't work with Trudeau on A, B, and C. I don't know. But what he did was but, the worst of all worlds. But Ezra, brilliant point. But let's go deeper into that. It's not just what he said. You know this was approved by the PMO. Mm -hmm. You know that this was negotiated. So you have to ask yourself this question. Why would the Prime Minister of Canada allow a guy to belittle the finances of Canada for a better job, allow a guy to say, I'm quitting because I'm kind of bored, I want something new, allow a guy to undermine the Canadian financial um, integrity? Why did the Prime Minister accept this resignation speech? You know that the PMO looked at it. You know that they agreed to it. And it only, I, I can only assume, I mean, either they willfully and dislike Canada so much that they allow this guy to save his face over, you know, 37 million people, or does the finance minister, does Bill Moreau have some really nasty stuff, mm -hmm. worse that we can imagine on, as we saw it played out, on on the SNC Lavin, we didn't know until it all started coming out. Mm -hmm. Is it that bad that Marneau says, you know what? You want me to talk about this? Yeah. Justin, you want me to talk about that? You better accept me saving my ass, oh, excuse me, and letting Canada flounder because that's what you better accept. You better he didn't put Bill Marneau on the bus. The Prime Minister did not put Bill Marneau on the bus. The Prime Minister put Canada under the bus yeah. to allow the acceptance of this resignation, mm -hmm. which, which is a, a complete offense to every Canadian. Yeah. You know, there's uh, a lot of MPs, but few of them are as personally and physically close as uh, Trudeau and Morneau. I mean, e even their poses, here's a pose, I thought this was a Photoshop when I first saw it. I mean, hugging, hand on tummies. I, I just, I don't think I've ever touched a guy like that other than when I was in high school wrestling or something. It's really weird. And they would pose so close, nose to nose, and they would pose making sort of lovey hearts at each other and smiling. And I've never had my face within one centimeter of another man's face other than I suppose when I was a baby. Um, there was something so eerily close. I mean, and I'm not implying anything sexual. Uh, I'm just saying it was really weird, the personal space merging of these two. I think they were close in, in, it just felt weird. So I bet they know a lot about each other. So maybe, right. I mean, I think Bill Morneau is not as sophisticated uh, a knife fighter as Trudeau. 
But I think that it would be a disaster for Trudeau if Morneau would spill spill the beans. Like yeah, imagine. Well, I, so I think it, it's like a Mexican standoff. They yeah, both and I think each other. Yes, and I, but I think after having what we've seen, the Attorney General. Like I mean, look what's happened to Canada. Probably the most important. And this is a. You know, we are a constitutional-driven country. The two most important people, and obviously we're an entrepreneurial country, we're not a socialist country, but the two most important people are the Attorney General of Canada, the person who oversees the, the laws of Canada, and the finance minister. Both of them quit. Now, the Attorney General had some stuff to say, couldn't say because of, 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 of privilege. But I think what Trudeau did not want to see is more truth. And, you know, I mean, I guess some liberals might need so many truths that, that but we, we, we caught on to them. But I, I think that, that, that the, the Morneau had more stuff to say and parlayed it where Trudeau was forced to throw Canada under and, and under the bus and also basically said that he's going to strongly support his his quest to become uh, this new job with o, OECD. So 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 why how does a prime minister sewer and throw Canada under the bus, our economy under the bus for this one man? It has to be because this one man I think has a lot of stuff yeah. on Trudeau, much like we saw in the, with the Attorney General and the Treasury Board Chair. Uh, so it, that's, and it's sad because today, you know, I guess some of the media are saying Morneau was thrown on the bus. I feel that Canada was thrown yeah. on the bus. You know, why would Morneau say, you know, the gig is finance minister in the greatest uh, economic upheaval in Canada in 100 years. Ah, you know what? Bored. Get somebody else to do it. Yeah. It just doesn't make sense. Well, I've already seen uh, a lot of headlines about the prorogation and the fact that Parliament's being dissolved and all these committees are being abandoned. The language is very mild compared oh, to how the media described it when Harper prorogued the government. And I recall when Harper did it back in 2000, and I think it was eight, it was because the opposition parties, days after the election, said, huh, well, we're going to form a coalition, the Bloc Québécois, the Liberals right. and the NDP were going to form a coalition and we're going to take the government away from Harper, who had won uh, the plurality of votes. None of this was mentioned during the election. Harper said, we're just going to freeze everything, prorogue Parliament, and it cooled off and went away. Everyone thought, oh, how dare you prorogue Parliament? Well, to stop uh, a, a trick separatist well, it was, coalition. It, yeah, I was there, Ezra. It was, it was egregious we the canadians just had an election end of october they have a minority government and within a few dozen days there was a, a you know the deal with the devil the block the block whose whose duty is to end canada and create its own country signed a coalition with the other minority parties to create the opposition I mean, that was absurd on two bases. And, and, and Prime Minister Harper had to, first of all, understand what's happening. Second of all, understand why the media didn't understand what's happening. But we just had an election and 
the uh, they wanted to take wrestle government away by creating this party that required the bloc to be part of government. And and that was absurd. And Canadians kind of said, hey, well, this is getting to be really stinky. After he prorogued and messaged to Canadians properly, and, and the message finally got out, it was very clear that that, 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 that coup with the bloc, who are anti-Canada as one country, um, it kind of dissipated. That's completely different yeah. facts than today. Yeah. Uh, we Today, we have a, a, a crisis, a financial crisis. There isn't any opposition that's trying to take down the government other than bloc, but there is no other opposition that's trying to take the during this time. There was no need to prorogue. So um, it is... It is beyond me. This is, a, you know, a thousand times worse than what happened in 2008, 2009. Yeah, well, you wouldn't know it from the mainstream media. No. I mean, it's great to catch up with you. It'll be interesting to see what happens. Trudeau always wanted to get out of the uh, restraints of Parliament. He tried it once before in the early days of the pandemic. He failed. Um, I think he's mentally checked out. Um, I think his best buddy, Gerald Butts, is in New York now. So he's lonely, doesn't know who to trust. Um, he doesn't like the work. He's, he's sort of got an, an anomie, I think they would yeah. say. He's bored. He's taking long vacations. His calendar has more personal days than ever before. Christia Freeland says, oh, I'll take that boss. I'll take that boss. She's hyperkinetic. How good she is is a different thing. I actually Probably. think we have the worst government now than we have had at any other moment in the Trudeau uh, administration because uh, he's checked out. Yeah. Well, that's true, but also the message. And Ezra, I, I'd like to get your take on this because I'm confused. The PMO message that there was a conflict between how to get out of this uh, financial crisis and they set up Murnau as the kind of tough guy who wanted to cut back spending. And what message does that mean? I mean, first of all, I wouldn't consider Murnau anywhere near a fiscal type of conservative. I certainly, certainly not that. And he hasn't demonstrated that in his five years. I mean, he was the first to breach the balanced budget. He he exceeded his own high estimations of balanced budget. So he's no Jim Flaherty. He's no conservative, uh, conservative type, small C conservative type finance minister. So. What is going on with they setting up, well, you know, he wanted to kind of cut a little bit of spending, but we want to go hog wild. We need we need someone, a finance minister, to go hog wild on the spending. <laughs> that is frightening. If it's true, if it's true, it is frightening because we, we need that. We're, we're well over 500 billion. I mean, if the answer is in the next five years, add another 500 billion. Uh, it is frightening. Yeah. Well, Manny, uh, in uh, short days, the Conservative Party of Canada will reveal its new leader um, as a result of its voting process, which is slightly complicated and certainly yeah. weighted towards the smaller uh, um, party membership ridings in the country. So every member in Quebec or the Atlantic, for example, has per person a greater say than in Alberta and Ontario. So it'll be, it's hard to guess. It's hard to read yeah. the tea leaves. We won't know who the leader is until, I think it's Sunday, in fact. 
people say Peter McKay and Aaron O'Toole are the front runners. We also hear that Leslie Lewis has some momentum. I don't think we'll actually know until the end, but whoever it is, Manny, they're going to have the work cut out for them. Last word to you. Wait, yeah, no, absolutely. The new conservative leader, I mean, uh, you know, we have a prime minister who caused the attorney general to resign because of his, because of everything it has his fingerprints on it, has Trudeau's fingerprints. Obstruction of justice, the attorney general resigned. Treasury board, the president of the treasury board resigned for the same reason. We forgot, Ezra, the clerk of the Privy Council. When in Canada's history yeah. has the unbiased clerk of the Privy Council that's there to direct the bureaucrats resigned because he felt that he was in a conflict right. of interest? Right. His best friend quits. His finances. And let's add to this that what what the the the, the governor general like what the is going yeah. on with the governor general. These are all Trudeau's judgments. Right. These these are the, this is basically the five top people in Canada, yeah. if you look, are, are constitutional. Yeah. And of the five, it's a disaster. Yeah. The attorney, the governor general, uh, Johnson, that was there under under uh, 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 pr uh, Prime Minister Harper, was just, a, was a fine man that he did his duties honorably and, and made Canada look pride. It is a mess. We, we are a mess in the monarchy. We are the mess in our finances. I mean, everything Trudeau has touched is judgment. Do I think that the new finance minister is going to be any better? Absolutely not. She was you know, persona non grata in the White House. That I know because yeah. I speak to my American friends. Right. The, the, she's not even allowed near the White House because she attended that, that, that tyrant seminar that called Trump a tyrant right. uh, while she's negotiating. So w that I, mean, I guess the media can spin what it wants, but I don't think uh, Minister Freeland is going to be a strong a financial assistant right. to the problems that we have now. Well, my friend, you've left me suitably depressed, but it's great to talk <laughs> I, to you as always. That's my Manny. job. That's my job is to move my depression onto you. <laughs> well, that's my job. Accomplished. Manny Montenegrino, okay. CEO of ThinkShop. Great to see you again. Take care. All right. There you have it. Stay with us. More ahead on Rebel News. Welcome back to my monologue last night. Susan writes, President Trump does not get the credit he deserves. This election in the U.S. will have effects on us here in Canada, too. He's the only one standing between the globalists and the citizens. Oh, I think it's the most important election. I mean, you could have said that last time, too. But this is it. This is it. Matt writes, the art of the deal. That's right. Trump's the king of the deal maker. I think you're right. And uh, I thought it was an intractable problem. Maybe it would be intractable, intractable to get Iran on side or the PLO itself, but I guess Trump had the savvy to say, well, why would I try and negotiate with the PLO or Hamas? Those are terrorist groups. Why don't I negotiate with the most successful countries in the Arab world, those little Gulf states like Dubai looks like a pretty successful place, pretty liberal place as Arabia goes. Um, yeah, why not try and do a deal with someone who wants to do a deal? Uh, maybe it was just that simple observation. Bruce writes, the reason President Trump succeeded where Barack Obama failed is simple. Conservatives deal with the world as it is. Socialists try to force reality to bend to their utopian ideals. I think there's a lot to that. I think that's not a bad observation. Well, that's our story and our show for today. Until tomorrow, 
on behalf of all of us here at Rebel World Headquarters to you at home, good night and keep fighting for freedom.